The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974, directed by Toby Hooper. Grave robbing in Texas is this hour's top news story. An informant led officers of the Muerto County Sheriff's Department to a cemetery just outside the small rural Texas community of Newt early this morning. Officers there discovered what appeared to be a grisly work of art, the remains of a badly decomposed body wired to a large monument. A second body was found in a ditch near the perimeter of the cemetery. Subsequent investigation has revealed at least a dozen empty crypts, and it's feared more will turn up as the probe continues. Deputies report that in some instances, only parts of a corpse had been removed. The head, or in some cases, the extremities removed, the remainder of the corpse left intact. Evidence indicates the robberies have occurred over a period of time. Sheriff Jesus Maldonado refused to give details in the ghoulish case and said only that he did have strong evidence linking the crime to elements outside the state. Area residents have reportedly converged on the cemetery, fearing the remains of relatives have been removed. No suspects are in custody as the investigation at the scene continues. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Just think of that title for a minute. Is there anything more exploitative and on the nose than Texas Chainsaw Massacre? As long as you see numerous chainsaw deaths, you can walk away and say, well, I got what I came here for. And still, the film doesn't deliver on the simple promise of its title. Only one person dies by chainsaw, if you want to be technical. And despite that, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is far better than it has any right to be. It's got lessons in it that many horror directors still need to learn. The plot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre is pretty straightforward. Five people, Kirk, Pam, Jerry, Franklin, and Sally drive into rural Texas to visit their grandfather's old farm. On the highway, they pick up a hitchhiker. This was back in the days when hitchhiking was a valid method of transit, before films like Texas Chainsaw Massacre ruined it for everybody. This brings us to lesson number one for future horror film directors. No hitchhikers. Seriously, the hitchhiker in Texas Chainsaw Massacre works great. He's a great character and he's really creepy. But nowadays, people are too afraid of being murdered by roaming psychopaths to even consider picking up or being a hitchhiker. If, you fil if your film takes place before 1974, then by all means. But nowadays, people are too well familiar with the coded meaning of a hitchhiker on the road. Hint, it's not good. Leave them out of your script. Back to the plot. Picking up the hitchhiker turns out to be a bad idea. After an awkward conversation, he cuts open his hand with a knife. Everyone stares at him in horror, but the best thing about this moment is that's not the end of the scene. The hitchhiker goes on talking about himself and takes a picture of Franklin, and only when he burns the picture and cuts Franklin with a razor does he get kicked out of the van. The hitchhiker returns later in the film, but his presence is felt throughout the film, and his memory provides some of the tension which will keep the audience on edge until the real danger starts. Speaking of real danger doesn't start for a long while, or at least it feels that way. The kids make it to the old farm and go exploring. Kirk and Pam go looking for the swimming hole, but instead they find another old farmhouse, and they decide to see if the owners will sell them some gas for their van. This brings us to lesson number two. Don't let your characters make stupid decisions. Let's clarify for a moment. Stupid decisions are choices that seem reckless and counterproductive in the face of much better looking options. For example, don't go back inside the alien-infested spaceship just to retrieve your house cat. Don't climb into an unexplored cave system and not tell your friends that you don't know where you're going. Don't throw away a map when you're getting lost in the freaking woods. These are all things that intelligent, rational people do not do. And if there's one thing that alienates an audience from the characters, it's stupidity. 
That doesn't mean that characters can't make wrong decisions, however. Clearly, visiting the farmhouse is a bad idea since everybody dies, but they decide to visit it for the right reasons. Kirk wants to buy some gas so they won't all get stranded on the highway when they leave. Clearly someone lives here, as evidenced by the working generator outside, and clearly they have gas. So he goes inside the house, and that's when he gets brained with a hammer. It happens so fast that he didn't even have time to piss himself. Pam is outside, but when Kirk doesn't come out, she investigates and gets hung on a meat hook for her troubles. Again, these are bad decisions, but they don't seem like difficult decisions. There is a creepiness factor to the farmhouse, which we know is not going to be a pleasant place to live in, but all that creepy stuff is on the inside for the most part. There are no vultures sitting outside the house, no lightning bolts or thunderclaps, or creepy people sitting outside with banjos. No one in the film says, let's split up so we can cover more ground, or what was that noise? Let's investigate. Maybe sometimes you need to feed your characters into the wood chipper, stack the deck against them, but we can't feel sorry for someone who blunders into the chipper like an idiot. Okay, maybe there's one thing that should have tipped them off. The human tooth that was sitting on the porch, just randomly, for no reason. I've learned that any time you find a human tooth just lying around the home, you should probably just move out. But if you didn't scare Roman Polanski away in the tenant, then it sure wouldn't scare away these two. The point is, lesson number three, don't stay any place where you find human teeth. That's just general life advice from your friends at the Wages of Cinema. Meanwhile, back at the van, Jerry goes to look for Kirk and Pam, while Sally and Franklin wait behind. He looks at the, for the swimming hole, but then he sees the farmhouse too. There's no reason for him to go inside until he sees Kirk's coat sitting on the porch railing. Clearly, Kirk is here, and upon further review, he finds Pam, alive, sort of, stuffed in the freezer. Then he dies from a hammer blow, screaming like a little girl. Now I gotta say, this is one of my favorite moments from Texas Chainsaw because it highlights a very odd thing about the film which gives it a lot of tension. For most of the film, none of the victims have any idea how much danger they're really in. The only person who has any sort of sense of foreboding about anything at this farm is Franklin, but he's just freaked out because a hitchhiker slashed his arm and drew on the van with blood. No one else even realizes that something is wrong until Leatherface sweeps around the corner and is two feet in front of them. Leatherface is the guy who keeps killing them. I forgot to mention that earlier. Uh, in Jerry's case, from the moment he sees Pam, this is just to tell you how little time he has. In Jerry's case, from the moment he sees Pam in the freezer to the instant his head gets bashed in, only seven seconds pass. Jerry has seven seconds to, in which to be truly terrified before he gets killed. In one instant, an innocent road trip turns into a nightmare, and then it's over. I mean, really over. Imagine a short film where a man's having a good time, and in the last second seconds, he, re he realizes that his family is dead and that he's next. That's a hard left turn. And it highlights lesson number four. To create tension, the audience must know more than the character knows. The whole reason we, as the audience, are here, watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre, is to be horrified. Horror films, see? We know that this is a horror film. The characters do not. It's like in Psycho, when the detective sneaks into the house to talk with Mrs. Bates. We know that there's a murderous old lady in the house, and he has no idea that anybody's even in there. That's why, when the door opens at the top of the stairwell, the audience goes ballistic. In Texas Chainsaw, everyone thinks that the farmhouse is just a regular old house, while the hanging junk outside, the abandoned cars, the weird bone sculptures, and the prologue 
have let us all know that something is really wrong and is about to happen very soon. We still tense up when the characters walk through that sun-baked grassland like nothing's the matter. And it gets even worse when Sally and Franklin have to find their friends in the dark. Finally, all pretense falls and Leatherface jumps out, one of the most effective jump scares put to film, and finally commits the only chainsaw murder in the film by carving up Franklin in his wheelchair. Lesson number five, don't be afraid to kill your most vulnerable characters. Sally runs towards the house. Again, not a stupid decision, because there's a light in the window, it's the only light for miles. She runs upstairs, begs the unresponsive grandpa for help, and sees the taxidermied body of grandma sitting right behind her. Another thing I love about this film is that each person who wanders into that evil farmhouse sees a different part of the house. The rooms are a sequence of mounting horrors, culminating in the dinner sequence in the third act. The filmmakers make great use of the location and found a way to reveal it to the audience in pretty clever ways. Sally escapes by jumping through a window, literally smashing through a glass and window and falling from a second story window. She outruns Leatherface, only to be captured by his father at the nearby service station, and she's carried back to the house where the hitchhiker from the first act of the film shows up. They're all part of the same family, living in seclusion, eating the flesh of those they kill. Sally becomes their dinner guest in every sense of the term, and just as they're about to kill her, Sally slips away and jumps through the, another window. It's daylight outside and she has to run for her goddamn life with Leatherface and the hitchhiker on her back the whole way to the road. The ending, with Sally jumping on the back of a passing pickup truck, is so simple and gratifying. Leatherface flails his chainsaw and we cut to black. Roll credits. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is so efficient that it feels like it's only an hour long. The characters are thin, so much so that they're more identifiable by their deaths and their personalities, but it's never about any of those kids, really. The film was about the murderers and the kind of life they live. They live on the margins of society, with only a thin veneer of civilization to keep their crimes hidden from the rest of the world. Inside their house, they have their own strange culture. They act like a family. Every one of those men in that house has a unique relationship to one another. And while Dad and the Hitchhiker are out doing their business, Leatherface keeps the home, making crude art out of skulls, bones, and bare parts. These are some of the few horror villains who seem to have a life when they're not murdering. And the amount of time and detail dedicated to that life is staggering. On each viewing, I noticed something about how they lived and what it was like to be a cannibal living in Texas. And all of it was done with the greatest amount of plausibility and realism. And with no explanation. The sixth and final lesson we learned from Texas Chainsaw? Show. Don't tell. You can convey so much more story with set design and props than you can with exposition dumps. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a film that needs to be studied for its efficiency and style. It manages to make an unreal situation feel as real as it can possibly get, all with barely a drop of blood. It could be considered one of the greatest horror films of all time for everything that it suggests in the mind, rather than on the screen. Real Get it, mean, Grandpa! I got some real mean head cheese. I can make it really good. <laughs> <laughs>